is built on nothing else than Jesus' love and righteousness. I cannot trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. My faith is built on nothing else but Jesus' love and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand all of the ground is sinking sand my faith is built on nothing else but Jesus love and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but only lean on Jesus name on Christ Solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand All of the ground is sinking sand The cross before me the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no 
Let's just ask at this time that the Father will show himself strong and that his word will come forth. That everything that is required for life and godliness will be released from the vessel today. That everything that shall be said shall be that which he desires for his family, for his church, for his body to hear. Let us begin to raise up our voices and ask that the glory of the Lord will be released in the word. That there will be a release of growth, a release of power, a release of strength in the name of Jesus. Oh Father, we are asking, O oh Lord, that your word will come forth, unadulterated, unimpeded, in the mighty name of Jesus, that every ear shall be open to hear what you have to say, that every eye shall be open to see what you are doing in our midst, O oh Lord, and that every heart will be open to conceive that which you have deposited through your word, through the planting of your word, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please, we may all be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Please, turn to your neighbor and say, it is a blessing to see you here today. I am giving thanks to the Lord that I see you here today. And when your neighbor hears it, let them understand that you truly mean what you are saying. That you are not being cajoled by the person asking you to say it. That you, tru <laughs> that you truly believe that you are happy to see your brother and yours. You see, it's a beautiful thing, as our, you know, our pastor says. It's a beautiful thing. You know, when you come into the presence of God and you see people that are radiating the light and the life of God. You know that it is not by might, neither is it by power, but it is the radiant spirit of the Lord that has been deposited in their hearts that shines forth. So let us give God all the glory. Let us give God all the glory. Amen. Amen. Um, I would like to honor our pastor, Pastor Kwame. I would like to honor our grandpa, grandma, our brothers, sisters, God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God bless you. It's a blessing to see you in the house of God. I see over you the heart and the might of God. Just put your hands on your head and decree that I shine the light of God. Just as Jesus said in the word, 
that we are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Just as he said that we are that city that cannot be hidden. I am that city that cannot be hidden. The glory of God shines in me. The glory of God shines in my words. The glory of God shines in my thoughts. Amen. Amen. Sometimes it's good to just acknowledge what the word of God decrees about us. Just so that his name may be glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name. Father, I'm asking that your word, O oh Lord, would be revealed in every heart. Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that people will not hear the words and thoughts and contemplations of a man, but that it will be that which flows from your spirit as written within your word. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that eyes will be open, that ears will be open, that hearts will be open to receive your full implanting of your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, it's all about replicating what you have done and seen and heard. So, Father, we pray that that ability to do everything that you have called us to do as your church, we ask that that ability will be manifested in the hearts of your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Your word says that the earth waits in earnest manifestation of the sons of God. You even said that it waits as in birth pains. Father, we pray that that productivity of us manifesting as sons will be realized in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. By the grace of God, I've been granted the privilege of sharing the benefit of being faithful. Uh, this is um, in continuation of the faithfulness series that was started by our brother minister Ato and then continued by uh, minister Rose Love and our grandpa. Um, and last week, if you were not here, turn to your neighbor and say, I enjoyed the harvest. I enjoyed the harvest. And so you might ask and say, what do you mean by you enjoyed the harvest? You say there was a harvest of peace. You say there was a harvest of love. There was a harvest of the word. There was a harvest of an understanding of what true worship is. A harvest. A harvest. Now, when you think about harvest, when you think about productivity, the first thing people normally think of is, I gave, I gave $1, I got $2. You know, but true harvest is the presence. There is nothing like the word, nothing like the presence, nothing like the truth. That even when Jesus was teaching, he said, sanctify them by your word, for your word, sanctify them by the truth, for your truth is the word. There is nothing like the truth because the truth makes new and makes alive. It is the truth, all about the truth, all about the truth, all about the word. The word is so important that even when, 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 when Paul was talking about the armor of God, he said, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having gathered yourself with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the waist belt of truth, the shutting your foot with the propagation of the gospel, holding forth the shield of the faith. And he said, even the sword of the spirit by which the shield of the faith, the shield of faith by which you quench the fiery dart of the enemy. He said, holding on to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But when you look at all 
the armory that he listed. Everything is the word. Salvation comes from the word. Faith comes from the word. The breast of the the, the, the breastplate of righteousness is the word. The the, the, the waist belt of truth is the word. The, the, the propagation of the peace uh, gospel of peace is the word. Everything comes and stems from the word. So all you need is the truth. So when he was saying. Guard your, your head with the helmet of salvation. He said, let, you, let there be an understanding of the word of salvation that will protect your head. When he says, God, put on the breastplate of righteousness. He's saying, let the word and understanding of righteousness overwhelm you that you are protected. Your heart is protected. When he says, put on the shield, the shield, the shield of faith that you, by which you will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. He's saying there that the word of God should be your rock and your defense. So every single thing he mentioned there was that you should hold on to the word dearly because it is your defense, your protection, and your means of attack. But most importantly, it is through the word that you stand firm. So what is faith? Faith is believing God at his word. Faith is believing God at his word. And you could also say that faith is seeing the tangibility of God's word. Seeing the tangibility of God's word. According to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it says it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you could, you could actually say that it is the substance of something promised. So God has promised something. It is the substance. You, 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 once you heard that promise, it is real to you. Or when he declares a thing, it is real to you. But it is not just real to you. In truth, it is real. The Bible says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. By the word of his power. In other words, when he speaks his word, there is that enabling power to bring it into fruition. When his word comes forth, everything required for that word to become reality is within that word. The enabling power for it to be established in, re in reality is released. So what does it mean to be faithful? To be faithful means that you are full of faith. Full of faith. It also means to completely believe what God has said. To completely believe what God has said. If we look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, the only way through which faith is developed is when there is a word that is released. If a word is not released, faith cannot be developed. And faithfulness also connotes loyalty as found within a relationship. Faithfulness connotes loyalty as found within a relationship. Now, when we read Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25. 
And we'll quickly read from verses 14 to 23. Matthew chapter 25 from verses 14 to 23. It says, for the kingdom of God is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, someone says, after a long time. No, he didn't say long enough. After a long time. Yeah. <laughs> the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought his five five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the comedian came. <laughs> who had received one talent. <laughs> he came up. He said, Master, I knew you to be a, <laughs> to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, see, you, 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 you scattered not, no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Have what is yours. You know, faithfulness connotes loyalty as within a relationship. But relationships are based on knowledge. Relationships are based on knowledge. It is what you know about a person that will determine the intensity of the relationship you have with that person. Relationships are based on knowledge. Now, false knowledge will lead to a false relationship. Or false knowledge will lead to false loyalty. False knowledge will lead to falsehood within that relationship. Anything based on falsehood would never stand. Because when the truth is revealed, all sense of loyalty, all sense of trust will, de will be dissolved. So within our relationship with our father, it is very important that we have the right knowledge about him. Because eternity Eternity, which is extremely important. Eternity hangs on that very fact. What do you know about him? What do you know about what he has said? And is it the truth? If you don't have the right knowledge, it would be wrong. It would be very hard for you to be faithful to him in the way that he expects 
Think about it. Jesus was coming to his disciples. He was telling them, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm coming to the end of the road. And what does Peter do? Peter goes and begins to rebuke him. Out of a seemingly nice gesture. Because Peter loved his master. He says, ah, master, please quiet. Don't say that. How can you say that? He was rebuking the king of kings and the lord of lords. <laughs> he was rebuking God. <laughs> but then, Jesus looks at him and says, he rebukes him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not care about the things of God, but the things of man. Why? Because at that point in time, even though just prior to that act, Peter had said, you are the Lord, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus had commended him and said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this shall, uh, upon this rock, shall my church be built. So Peter was still, yes, at least I've, I've outshined the other disciples. I, I have revelation. Uh, back in the day, you know, when we first got born again, they used to say, uh, Rev, that, yeah, Rev man. That man is a Rev man. So he, he was like, yes, I'm a Rev man. But immediately Jesus says that what you are doing is not of God. What you are doing is actually devilish. Get it behind me, Satan. Why? First, he did not yet know that Christ had to fulfill everything that was written in the scriptures. It was his destiny to offer himself as the payment for sin. So that when he raised up, he would have brothers and sisters risen with him. We are the product of his resurrection. The church is the product of glory. The church is the product of life. The church is the product of light. And that is what you and I are. Light, life, love givers because of the power that is at work in us through Christ Jesus. The depth of the intimacy within that relationship determines the depth of the knowledge obtained in the relationship. So you're not just looking at spending time, but you're looking at spending quality time with the Father. I'm not just going to go into the closet and pray for a specific amount of time, whether it be one minute or thereabout, just so I can come and say, you know, my prayer time is really increasing nowadays. Can't nobody pray more than me. You guys don't understand. <laughs> the first time I prayed for 45 minutes, ah, yes, I felt like, yes, I'm spiritual. Until I heard, <laughs> until I heard someone say they pray two hours, three hours, I said, ah, what are they saying? <laughs> what are they saying? <laughs> but what I'm trying to get at is this. It's not something that you do just so that you can brag. But it's a time where you spend quality time in growth. Quality time where you are seeing him for who he is. Where he's revealing himself to you. You know, and you are enjoying his presence. And not enduring his presence, but enjoying his presence. You really know how much you know a person by how much you know about them. Now, I said earlier this morning that if my brother comes and someone asks him how much he knows about me, which is not a good thing because we are brothers, he might just say, I'm fat. <laughs> and that's all. 
But then if you went and you met my wife and asked her, what do you want to know about me? She might just ask, where do you want me to start? Is it how he sleeps? Or is it how he eats? Is it the noise that he makes how he, when he eats? You know, things like that. She would give you fine details. Why? Because she knows about the intricate things that I do by the closeness, the intimacy that we share. So faithfulness connotes that loyalty, but it all depends on the knowledge relationship that you have. And so I shared all the, the different definitions of faithfulness that we've received throughout this series. I shared um, Minister Rose Love's definition of and that it's an attribute of God that displays God's trustworthiness to his people that find fulfill its fulfillment in Jesus. I shared our grandpa's definition that it's the reliance and the loyalty. Um, reliance, loyalty, and trust. Total trust in God. And I was, I was also like saying, permit me, to give this definition that it's a natural response resulting from completely believing what God has said promised and established natural response so when we look at the parable of the talents you see that the two servants that went and were dedicated to what the lord what their master had told them to do by investing you see that there are some some traits these are not all the traits just a few traits you see that they were dedicated they were dedicated. Why? The first and second um, servants, they dedicated their time, their resources to invest in what the master had given them. So they even worked at it as though it was the master's, it, as though the master's work was their own work. They were diligent in doing that. They were dedicated. Even working as though the master was there, even though the master had gone a far distance for a long time. And they did not know when the master was going to come back. Now, if the master did not come back the time they came back, they might have even multiplied that, those talents further because of their dedication. So they were not men pleasers. They were not eye pleasers. But they served with their hearts. And you could tell, even in the parable, it says that it was according to their ability that this master had given them talents. He looked at them. He says, I know this, this, this particular servant. He, will, he can handle five. So I'm going to give him this five. Because I know him, he's diligent, and he will multiply it. I see this boy. He can handle two. I know, I know, I know he's, he, he has a good heart. But what he can handle is two. I'll give it to him. So that they won't say I didn't give any, this boy anything. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> he doesn't do whatever I tell him to do. <laughs> I'll just give him one to see how he handles it. Sometimes the Lord does this. I've noticed. Sometimes he might not give you the best. Sometimes he might just give you something. Just to see how you will handle it. If I give you this particular thing, what would you do with it? So the question here is, are you trustworthy? Now, when you look at the response of their heart and what they did, you actually see where they fell. 
You could see that the first two, that more was given. It says to him who is giving more, more will be expected. So more was expected from them and more was accomplished by them because he recognized that they were people who would invest their time. They were dedicated to the cause of the master. The master could see through them, see through their hearts and see the response that they were going to give. But the third servant, of course, he was nonchalant. Immediately the master left. Immediately the master left. That was the end. Probably through a party. Master has gone. Now we are free. <laughs> I have worked hard. Now I'm going to play hard. <laughs> no, see, see what the master said. His master answered him and said, in verse, 20, in verse 26, he says, you wicked. So he called him wicked. He then said, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. So he was wicked. He didn't even say, okay, let me just go and put it in. Did they call, is it CD? Uh, just go and lock it. But no, he buried it in the ground. Do you know what people bury in the ground? Dead things. He said his master was dead to him. He buried it in the ground. He's gone. He's dead to me. I'm moving on. And then when the master came back, he now unearthed what was dead and said, take. In other words, this has no value to me. When he gave it to him, he said, this has no value. How can he give me one? Look, at, He gave him five. He gave him two. Look at me now. Look at me. He probably stood in front of the mirror. Look at me. He just gave me one. Sometimes, not just sometimes, most times, it pays to be humble. It pays never to see yourself more highly than you see, not just more highly, don't be beautiful in your own eyes. I'm too much for one. They, we see again that they were honest. The first and second servants served their master diligently, even when their master had gone on a long journey. They were honest. So who they were when the master was around was who they were when the master was away. Consistency. And then the third is they persevered. Even, if they, even when they did not see their master, they were still diligent at what they did. They persevered. Even when they did not know when their master was going to be coming back to give them a reward, they still kept on doing what they were supposed to do. So what are the benefits of being faithful to God? What are the benefits of being faithful, faithful, faithful to God? The first thing is this. Faithfulness to God always leads to service. In, you see in Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Acts chapter 6 verse 3. It was the requirement. It was the requirement for the selection of deacons in the early church. And even testimony was given of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 verse 5. It says, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith 
and the Holy Spirit. And we saw in the book of Acts how Stephen demonstrated a life of faithfulness. He was faithful even until the death. He was faithful even until the death. Why? Because he was full of knowledge. You see, when he was even standing before the, before, before the council, when they had, they had brought him before them, he began to give the word. He was giving the word. He gave the history. He gave the word from Moses. And then he went down and began to talk about Jesus and said, you have all destroyed him. You were the ones who killed him. You know, and immediately you could see that because of all that he had learned, he was a man of the spirit, a man of power, and a man of the testimony of Christ. And it was said that after they had stoned him, his face began to shine like that of an angel. Why? Faithfulness. If there is something God loves, it's about that faithful witness. Where you do not deviate from his truth. Where you do not deviate from his light. Where you do not deviate from his life. Where you are consistently consistent with his truth and with his word. Two, faithfulness to God always leads to greater responsibility. We see in the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25, verses 21 and 23, that Jesus says to, the master says to the two servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. He that is faithful with little will be faithful with much. No, if you sow sparingly, what, what happens? But if the Bible says a liberal soul shall be, shall be what? Made fat. When you are liberal with the word, when you sow the desire of his presence, when you sow the desire of the word, when you sow the desire of the truth. You see, I believe so much in prosperity, but to me, true prosperity is the word. It's the word. He says, do not lay treasure for yourselves in earth where moth will eat, but let your treasure be in heaven. In other words, that is true prosperity. He said to, 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 to Abraham, he said, I am your exceedingly and great reward. If you want something, have me. Let me be your earnest desire. Let it be Christ. Let it be me. So he says here, can you imagine? The master said, good and faithful servant. You know, on that day, when we shall stand before the Bema seat, do you know how many of us would only be waiting for just those words? Do you know how many of us would be anticipating what would he say about me? And at that time, that would be the only words that will matter. Number three, faithfulness releases the atmosphere of joy within the relationship. Number four, <laughs> there are multiple rewards for faithfulness. When you go through Revelation chapter two, <laughs> when you go to Revelation chapter two and chapter three. We see that Jesus, when he is talking to the churches, he tells them that there are multiple rewards. 
he goes through different things within different churches. He says that, come, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He tells the church in Laodicea that if they eat, if they eat, if they, if they return to the first love, they will eat from the tree of life. In other words, they had departed from the first love, but once they returned to the first love, they would eat of the tree of life. He said that anyone who is faithful to, to, until death, he was speaking to the church in Smyrna, if they are faithful unto death, they will receive a crown of life and immunity from the second death. Now, you see, you see when Jesus is talking to these churches, you have to understand that he's actually talking to all churches. The symptoms seen in those churches are symptoms seen in all churches. But if you are able to overcome them, these are also rewards for us. And so he also says to the church in Pergamum that they will eat hidden manna and a white stone with a secret name will be given to them when they reject a doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. So you see here that Jesus is saying there are benefits to faithfulness and to holding on to the truth and to the word that was given right from the start. Five, it is the prerequisite for asking correctly. John chapter 15, verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7. Now, how can we increase in faithfulness? How can we increase in faithfulness? Firstly, we have to study and meditate on the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, study and meditate on the word. Why? Because faith comes from believing the message. If you believe wrongly, you will act with an assumption that is incorrect. If you believe wrongly, you will have a faulty and incorrect relationship with your father. False doctrine will always lead to unfaithfulness. Now, if you don't know, <laughs> some people used to say ignorance is not an excuse in the law. Um, the reason why I'm just being, because <laughs> I have a funny story, but this is not the time. Ignorance is not an excuse. If you don't know, then you're not excused. How many of us have been driving? And then, because you probably, your mind was focused on something, you weren't concentrating. And then all of a sudden, you see cops following you. And they stop you and then you're asking, ah, officer, what's going on? Then he tells you, and this is a 45 mile per hour speed limit and you're actually going 90. If you say you didn't know, does it matter? What matters is that you did what? You were speeding in a zone that, was, that had a 45 mile per hour limit. Ignorance is not an excuse. It is very important that we do the diligence of knowing exactly the laws of the kingdom. That we might honor our father the way he wants to be honored and that we would correctly represent him the way he wants to be represented because you and I represent the father. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a representation of the father. You represent Christ. Why must we study and meditate the word? The word of God is the armor. According to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13, every single armory listed there is the word of God. Number three, <coughs> the word of God shows us all our possessions in Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1 from verses 1 to 4, 
Second Peter chapter 1. Let's quickly go to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, I'll be as fast as I can. And verses 1 to 4. Says this. It says, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace is multiplied through knowledge. Verse 3, it says, For his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It shows us what we have. The knowledge of the word shows us what we have. And you see there that he says there, grace and peace be multiplied to you. But when you go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he starts the epistle with, with knowledge, with come, seek knowledge. That's how you get a multiplied grace and wisdom. But then when he goes to um, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 18, he says this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the eternity. Amen. He starts with a growth, a desire for grace and knowledge. And he still ends with a desire for grace and knowledge. Because that is how we obtain the promises. And number four, he says this, The word of God is the cure for blindness. The cure for blindness. If you go to, uh, back to 2 Peter chapter 1, from verses 5 to 9, actually. Second Peter chapter, um, chapter 1, from verses 5 to 9. It says, Now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and your self-control perseverance, and your perseverance godliness, and your godliness brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities, see this, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge, true knowledge, true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's all about, you see, it says if these things, if these things are multiplied in your lives, it is, that, that reflects the productivity of the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It then says in verse 9, for he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So it is the cure from blindness. You see, when, Peter, when Paul was saying that we should be filled with the spirit of wisdom of revelation, that our eyes, the eyes of our understanding, so it's wisdom that gives us the opening, the enlarging of our sight. That it increases our vision. But it increases our, our vision of who? Of Christ. So that the more we see him, the more we see him. You see this? It says, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge. Not, of, not just of the word, but of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to study and meditate on the word. And number two, pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray. If you want an increase in faith, we pray and pray and pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. It says this, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith when we pray in the Holy Spirit. It says, but you, dear friends, building up yourselves in 
your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, there is an energy. There is a release of strength. There is an expanding of capacity within your spirit to absorb that which the word of God says. It multiplies the ability and the capability for you to walk in increased measures of faith. But it depends. It highly depends on your willingness to spend time in praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you don't really know what you're saying. But the Spirit himself maketh intercessions for the saints with utterance that cannot be muttered. With utterance that cannot be understood. It is not meant for you to, because if you understand it, you might not have the capacity to hold it or to believe it. So when you begin to release those words in a capacity that is not understood, you are allowing yourself to be expanded. And then when the time comes, when that word is released to you in, in, in a language that you can understand, you receive it joyfully. You receive it willfully because your spirit has already opened up the door for what the spirit of God is going to be saying. Brothers and sisters, it is our prayer that each and every one of us will be found to receive a word. A word that comes from the father that says, well done, good and faithful servant. But diligence is required. You need to work it. He has done everything for you. He has given you everything. He has given you himself. But the work is that you must learn him. That's why in the book of Ephesians it says, you have not so learned Christ. You learn him. And then you begin to manifest him. You behold him. And as we behold him, we begin to replicate who he is. We behold him, the author and the finisher of our faith. The perfecter of our faith. And it is in that beholding that his energy and his life begins to be at work in us. Remember, it is not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord God of hosts. My spirit says the Lord God of hosts. It's not something you do. It's something he has done in you. But there must be that diligence to find it out. The Bible says something. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But it is what? The glory of kings to search it out. But that diligence that shows faithfulness is in our searching it out as written within the word. Let us rise up on our feet.